Chapter Two of Brenda, Her School and Her Club. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Brenda, Her School and Her Club by Helen Leah Reed. Chapter Two Julia's Arrival. As the two girls went downstairs, Brenda politely urged Belle to go ahead of her. She herself lingered a moment to look over the balusters, and thus, when they reached the broad hall at the foot of the stairs, she was several steps behind her friend. Belle, with a quick eye before she reached the bottom of the stairs, noticed a little group near the fireplace an elderly woman with a shawl over her arm who looked like a maid, Mrs. Barlow holding the hand of a slight girl in black, and last but not least, a large Irish setter which lay at the young girl's feet. All this Belle had hardly time to notice when the young girl rushed forward and throwing her arm around her neck cried, Oh, cousin Brenda, I'm so glad to see you. Belle, for a moment, looked disconcerted, and Mrs. Barlow, without showing any surprise at Belle's presence, relieved the latter by saying, This isn't Brenda, Julia, but one of her friends. Julia, still with her hand in Belle's, smiled pleasantly. I'm glad to see you, she said. And just at that moment Brenda came in sight. Julia was hastening forward to greet her cousin as she had greeted her friend, but something in Brenda's face forbade her. Brenda could not, perhaps, have explained why she felt so annoyed at Julia's mistake. She was not unduly vain, yet it annoyed her that her cousin had mistaken Belle for her. For, well as she liked Belle, she knew that all the other girls considered her not especially good looking. Though she could not, probably would not, have put it into words, the thought flashed through her brain that Julia was stupid to have made such a mistake. The thought took form in a rather repelling glance as her eye met her cousin's. Come, Brenda, you should not make Julia go more than half way to meet you, called her mother from her place near the fire. No'm, replied Brenda, hardly knowing what she said, for really she felt a little shy about the new cousin. Who was more than a year her senior. With her hand outstretched, she stepped toward Julia, moving with the dignity that her lengthened skirt demanded. Dear me, what can it be? she thought, as she felt something hindering her progress. It could not be that the skirt was too long. She stooped a little to raise it from beneath her feet, and then, how mortifying! she felt a string snap. She clutched wildly at her skirt with both hands. But it was too late, and making the best of the situation, she stood before her cousin in her short ruffled petticoat instead of her long grown up gown. There, Brenda, cried her mother, comprehending the situation at a glance, for this was not the first time that Brenda had tried to lengthen her skirts. There, Brenda, I hope you won't be as foolish as this again. Speak to your cousin, and then go up and put on your skirt properly. Poor Brenda. What a loss of dignity! She hardly knew what she said to Julia, or what Julia said to her. She resented Belle's offer of help, for had she not heard a decided giggle from her friend at the moment of the catastrophe? So, rushing to her room, she locked the door, and did not leave it until called to dinner. Now, Brenda, though by no means perfect, was not ill natured, and she seated herself at the table with the intention of making herself agreeable to Julia. But there are times when nothing seems to go exactly right, and this evening was one of them. 
In the first place, it disturbed Brenda to see her father's glance of amusement, as his eye fell on her new style of hair-dressing. "'Which is it now?' he laughed. "'Marie Antoinette or Queen Elizabeth? Dear me, Brenda, it's a long time since we've seen you masquerading in this fashion.' Brenda reddened. In spite of the mishap to her dress, she wished her cousin to believe that she always wore her hair on the top of her head. Vague hopes were floating through her mind that she could persuade her mother to let her give up her childish pigtail altogether. "'Why does Papa always say things like that?' And she reddened still more as Julia's eyes fell on her. She remembered, however, her duties as assistant hostess. "'Did you have a pleasant journey?' she asked politely. "'Yes, indeed,' answered Julia. "'That is, I was just a little tired, but it was so delightful to look out of the car window and know that I was really in Massachusetts. It seemed too good to be true.' Mr. Barlow looked pleased. "'Ah, Julia, it gratifies me very much to have you say this. Sometimes when people have travelled, they lose their love for their early home.' "'Yes, Uncle Robert, I've always loved to think of Boston as my real home.' "'although it's so long since we lived here.' "'Why, what do you really remember of Boston?' asked Mr. Barlow. "'Well, the State House, Uncle Robert, and the Common, of course, and—and Brenda.' "'Oh, you can't remember Brenda.' "'Yes, indeed I can. She was the dearest little thing. You see, when I was five years old, Brenda seemed almost a baby. A year and a half between two girls makes a good deal of difference, when they're little.' But even this last saving clause did not prevent Brenda's heart from giving a sudden thump, especially as she caught a sympathetic glance from Belle which seemed to say, "'Ah, she's reminding you how much older she is than you.' Brenda straightened herself up. She tried to think of something to say that would show that, though younger, she at least had some knowledge of the world. "'Can you eat raw oysters, Julia?' were the rather strange words that came to her lips. Julia, unable, naturally, to follow the train of thought leading to this question, answered brightly, "'I've never tried. You see, we don't have very good oysters in the West, and some way I've never thought I'd like them raw.' "'Oh, if you want to seem really grown up, you'll have to eat oysters off the shell,' said Mrs. Barlow. "'I believe Brenda has practiced, so that she can eat them without wincing.' Then Belle, who prided herself on her tact, hastened to change what she knew might become a sore subject with Brenda. "'Were there many people you knew on the train, Miss—' "'Oh, please say Julia,' broke in the young girl. "'Everyone always does. No, there wasn't anyone I knew in the cars between here and Chicago. If I had not had Eliza, I should have been very lonely.' Brenda had subsided into an unwanted silence. She was wondering how she could excuse herself to her cousin, whether her mother would really make her give up the tableaus for that evening. She heard, without really listening, an animated conversation between her father and Belle on the best way of learning history. Belle believed that more could be learned by general reading than by studying a textbook. "'Belle always has so many theories,' Brenda was in the habit of saying. "'I wish Jane would hurry with the coffee,' she cried." "'Why, Brenda?' and her mother looked surprised. "'You are not going to have coffee.' "'Of course, you know you always let me have a little cup when I'm going out.' 
"'But you are not going anywhere to-night. "'Didn't you get my message?' Brenda understood well enough that her mother did not wish to discuss the question of her leaving her cousin when Julia herself was present, yet she persisted. "'But, Mamma, Mrs. Barlow shook her head. "'There is nothing to be said. "'You know, Brenda, when I mean a thing, I mean it.' Julia looked a trifle embarrassed, realizing that in some way she was a hindrance to a full discussion between her aunt and cousin. Brenda's face was twisted into a curious scowl. She was forgetting her duty to her cousin. "'Oh, Mama, I've made up my mind to go.' "'No, Brenda, it is impossible. Let us hear no more about it.' "'What is it, Brenda, that you wish to do?' asked Mr. Barlow, who, while talking with Belle, had only half heard the conversation between Brenda and her mother. Mrs. Barlow shook her head. She did not care to enter into a discussion before Julia, likely to make the young girl feel that her arrival had interfered with any plan of Brenda's. Then Belle, who realized that she was not always in favor with Mrs. Barlow, saw her opportunity. "'If Brenda will change with me, she can have my ticket for tomorrow evening.' "'Why, that is very kind in you, Belle. But have you time to get ready?' "'Oh, yes, if you'll excuse me now.' And before Brenda could remonstrate, she saw Belle receive the tickets from Mrs. Barlow's hands, and heard her hasty words of good-bye as she started home under the escort of Thomas. Neither Mr. nor Mrs. Barlow took any notice of the cloud on Brenda's face. Fortunately they could not read her reflections on the duplicity of Belle, who, after pitying her so in the afternoon, had now begun to side against her. This, at least, was the form which Brenda's thoughts took. Rightly or wrongly, she considered herself an ill-used young person. Just then the maid entered with a letter on a salver. Mrs. Barlow glanced at it, and then laughed. "'This explains the mystery, Julia. You wrote New York instead of Boston, and so your letter has been two days longer than it should have been in reaching us.' "'Oh, did I, Aunt Anna? How stupid! Well, you have treated me much better than my carelessness deserved.' "'Well, I'm only glad that I happened to be at home when your telegram came. It would have been a little cheerless for you had you happened to arrive when we were all out. But come, you must be tired.' "'Oh, not very.' Then, as they left the room, Julia threw her arm around Brenda. "'I know that we shall be great friends.' Already Brenda had begun to return to herself. She hoped that Julia had not noticed her ill temper. Perhaps, after all, she should like this new cousin better than she had expected. "'If I were you, Brenda, I'd take Julia to her room now,' said Mrs. Barlow. "'How lovely!' exclaimed Julia, as they entered the pretty bedroom near the studio. "'Am I to have this all to myself?' "'Yes,' replied Brenda. "'I never saw so pretty a room. How I shall enjoy it! Who's used it to be?' "'Oh, it was Agnes's room. She had it decorated to suit her ideas. You know she's an artist.' "'Oh, yes! How delightful to be an artist! I wish that I had some special talent.' "'I thought you had. Someone, Mama, I think, said that you were musical.' "'So I am, in a way. I've given more time to music than to anything else. But that was chiefly to please Papa.' Here Julia sighed, while Brenda hardly knew what to say. 
you must miss him very much,' she ventured. "'Oh, don't speak of it, Brenda. I can't bear to think that he is really gone.' And Julia's tears began to fall. "'What shall I say?' thought Brenda, and as her words of sympathy were beginning to take shape, her mother entered the room. Wisely enough, she made no comment on Julia's tears, believing that they would flow less freely if she seemed to take no notice of them. "'I have come to see if you are perfectly comfortable. To-night Eliza will sleep on the lounge in your room, and after this we will arrange a bed for her in the room across the hall. In either case you will not feel lonely.' When Julia had thanked her aunt for her kindness, Mrs. Barlow drew Brenda one side. "'Now, Brenda, we must bid your cousin good-night.' And then, with a final word or two of advice to Julia, Mrs. Barlow, with Brenda, left the room. "'I'm going to bed now, Mamma," said Brenda, as they reached the hall. "'Very well. I haven't time myself to tell you that I think you behaved very foolishly this evening. I hope you will be more sensible to-morrow.' "'Good-night!' cried Brenda, without making any promises. When she was within her own room, she flung herself down on her bed. "'I know just how it will be,' she said to herself. "'I can never do what I want to. It will always be Julia, Julia. She isn't so bad herself, but it's the way everyone will treat me that I hate.' With these confused words on her lips, she began to get ready for bed." End of chapter 2, read by Kara Schallenberg, www.kray.org, on January 19, 2011, in San Diego, California.